Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. With the third pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New York Knicks select R.J. Barrett. What up, dorks? I hope you haven't been wasting your time watching useless playoff basketball and instead have been spending all of your waking hours looking at footage of college players who you already looked at footage of several times this year, like me. That's what we do here on Draft Strickland. So we're here for the 30th episode. You know, we've we've already talked about pretty much all the players in the first round or projected to go in the first round with a few exceptions. So uh, from now until ping pong day, we're going to take the pod in a little bit of a different direction and try to dive into a couple of different topics, some unique angles. But for today's episode, I wanted to kind of take the temperature of the Knicks fan base now because we're at the point where the folks who haven't been wasting their time nerding out about draft prospects all season have finally turned their gaze towards some of this poked around on YouTube a little bit, you know, maybe see the takes on Twitter, things like that. Um, so, you know, there's some narratives out there, some narratives be changing, some new ones pop up. So I'm just trying to see kind of where we're at and how we're feeling. And to help me do that, I have two special guests. One, uh, you know, well, you probably know both of them very well. If you've uh, listened to me speak before, the first is Stacy. Uh, you may know him on Twitter at Stacy Patton eighty nine. Uh, he writes for the Strickland and helps me out with draft coverage, um, among other things. Kyra Lewis appreciator, uh, Bones Highland bandwagon driver number one. Right, all things in balance. Right, whiff and incredible hit. Um, Stacy, how you doing? Pretty good. I'd add <clears throat> the first guy I wrote about Emmanuel quickly on next Twitter. There you go. So um, doing pretty well. That's a pretty big claim to fame. And then the second guest who we have on the pod for the first time, I am very excited to have join us. It's Joe Flynn, the editor of Posting and Toasting. This is a person, one of the few people who has seen the entirety of my journey as a amateur draft person, nerd, loser genius starting at you know comments back in the late 2000s on posting and toasting was it only the late 2000s i just assumed you walked out of the womb and were like yo what does this nurse's has he look like but well you're you're correct but this the the written evidence only begins (laughs) in the late 2000s i was definitely and i'm not even joking like i was definitely i have distinct memories of being in computer labs with my friends on nba draft net and draft express on like <laughs> big, big computers where the monitors are like three dimensional. You know what I mean? It's not just this flat monitor. It's like an actual. You square. can imagine 
the <laughs> Prez's sixth grade computer teacher coming up, he closes the window. Were you looking at porn? No, I just need to see this guy's vert, you know? Like I was busy looking at like draft net and draft express comparisons from back in the day. Anyway. A Mecca Okafor uh, <laughs> Yes. Standing reach. Exactly, like exactly. So yeah, none other than Joe. Joe, how you doing? I'm good. Uh, like I said, uh, I agree with I agree with Prez that, you know, forget the playoffs. What have the playoffs ever done for us as Knicks fans? Thank you. Someone with sense around here. This is why you're the editor. Yep. But before we get started, I would like to announce the Strickland does have a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. It has many tiers. a $6 tier. That gets you access to this podcast every Friday that I do with Prez, Pod Strickland. Uh, you also get access to the mailbag that I do every other week with Jeremy and Drew. Furthermore, you get access to the Strickland Discord where we talk about the Knicks all the time, 24-7. Uh, there's live game chats. It's a fun time. Uh, there's further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to weekly articles by the wonderful Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best Knicks writers in the business. You also will get access to my solo podcast, Trick and Roll, uh, where I yell about the Knicks quite a bit. Uh, even more if that's something that you're interested in. Uh, there's further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. Those get you access to a variety of further things like merchandise discounts, live watch parties, listening in on podcast recordings, even potentially hosting a podcast yourself alongside us one day. But whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. Your support is appreciated. And without further ado, let's talk about the New York Knickerbockers. I mean, you could take lessons from the playoffs and, you know, every year. I, I, I like to wait before I try to think about that because every year, like the, the reaction and the implications for roster building and drafting on playoffs stuff happens too fucking fast for me. It happens too fast every year. Like, what was it in the bubble year where everybody was like, oh, you don't need traditional centers because all everybody's switching and you just need to be mobile. And now you have like Jokic and Embiid and Giannis and everybody's like, no, big centers mean stuff now, but you shouldn't pay them a lot. So like the takes just fly too fast. So I'll worry about that shit a little bit later in the cycle for now. Um, we could just get into uh, how you feeling. And we were chatting before I hit the record button and Stacy actually helpfully kind of broke everything down because right like we're all hypothesizing about what could happen and you basically have three situations you have if the Knicks get blessed which won't happen and then they move up into the top whatever three or four or something like that and then you have uh if they stay put and they're picking in the 11 you know 12 13 range and you have if they trade up slightly uh to probably not get into the top four but somewhere above 11 Actually, you do have a, a couple other scenarios, technically, like trading out or trading back. But those well, they are boring. Can only get into the top four, right? <laughs> they can't get five through eleven or five through ten, right? No, not from the ping pong balls, but they could trade up. All oh, right, yes, yeah, sir. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all I meant. So, um, uh, yeah. So you know, I guess my first question for y'all is like, how are we feeling about having a pick this year in general? Like, what what emotions come to mind? <laughs> I'll let Joe go first on that. Emotions. Uh, yeah. We're going there. Pure, I, I feel blessed to have a pick. I mean, not every team does. Uh, do the Bulls have their pick this year? Um, uh, good question. 
I don't know. They are they because they traded two for Vucevic, right? So yeah. So probably next year they don't have the pick. Whatever, whatever. But uh, yeah, they have their pick right now. They're slotted for 18th. Okay. I mean, having a pick is better than not having a pick. I've been a Knicks fan long enough to know that. Um, but 11, ah, it's it's rough because I'm finding out about these guys I love and I've loved them for the last, I've loved them madly for the last two weeks. <laughs> and yet it seems like, you know, they're going to get picked before the Knicks pick at 11. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's a little rough, but, uh, you know, there's, we'll be blessed. And, and for the first time in a while, we have a, a front office that seems like they know what they're doing. So, you know, I feel pretty good. But also, you know, I, like I said before to Prez, uh, when I see grainy footage of Shaden Sharp jumping 49 inches and hitting those uh, little tab things, higher than Michael Jordan, apparently, <laughs> um, I'm just like, man, you know, we got to get him. He's going to be he's going to be better than Michael Jordan because he jumped one inch higher. So, uh, come on, let's uh, let's trade up. Let's let's trade everything for Shaden Sharp. Yeah, we got all these analytics people on the Knicks staff now. I'm sure they understand that correlation. Uh, Stacy, did you see that video? I saw it today. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, Sharp. I think my thing has been this, right? And we can talk about this a little bit. I think there's a question, probably a philosophical question. Do you think? What do you think the biggest need for this Knicks roster is? Right. When you look at their young players, they fill a lot of needs. They have a lot of good players. Um, what they don't have is two things. They have very few freakishly long wings, right? Six, six plus guys with seven foot wingspans. RJ doesn't have that wingspan, but we probably have to include him in that if we're typing our players like that, just because he's, it's him and Cam, right? Well, Cam um, is the only one who's like actually big. Yeah. And like yeah. Obi is, Obi is not a wing, you know, sorry, like great player. I love Obi, but um, so they, they're just lacking in that prototype, right? They're also lacking in three-level scorers. So I think that it's a, it's like a good litmus test to this roster. It's like if they get more wings, if they can, you know, and like especially a connector wing who can pass the ball, does that help them more? Or does it help them to get a three-level scorer? And the thing with Shaden Sharp is you're like, so is he does he help the Knicks need for a, a freakish wing? Or does he help the Knicks need for uh, a, a three-level scorer? And the answer is yes. <laughs> because he's both of those things, right? He would probably help in both of those ways. Uh, I think Sometimes I wonder, though, because 6'6 with a 7-foot wingspan, and he's not strong as fuck like RJ. Yet. Do you Yet. think he doesn't have the frame to fill out? No, he'll get big, but, you know, he's... I, I, I'm just saying, like, he's never going to be as big lengthwise as Cam or as... You don't think he'll be as brolic as, like, RJ? No. And most players aren't, so that's fine. But, like, my point is, like, he's definitely going to be, a, like, a long wing, but I'm not I would, I'm not putting him in that, like, big wing conversation like Cam is, right? Who's, like, 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, so nine. he's more of a big two to you. Yeah, or just, like, a good-sized athletic wing. Like, it's whatever. Which we also are lacking. Like, it's yeah, really totally. Grimes, RJ, and Cam, right? Yeah. And then the vets, but... The key is the the athleticism part of it, and then the, regarding him being a three level scorer, like he could be that, but I don't know if he is that right now. No, just from yeah. the limited footage I've seen, he's not really like oh the mid range is buckets. definitely a work in progress. I guess sorry, the rim wanna... stuff too, right? Like so the rim stuff. Yeah, like he's not 
pen. He's not some like he doesn't seem like some like ah like penetrate to the hole all the way type type of player. I mean, he has the hops to do it eventually, hopefully. But it's not like Ivy, right? Where it's like ah blow by and I'm getting to the rim. Yeah, I, th- I think the handle definitely needs work. Um, but going back a step, you said that you know he doesn't have the size of like the freak wings like a Cam or like I guess a Sochan or an Eason. Um, how much does the athleticism make up for that, right? If you're like 6'6 with a 7-foot wingspan, but you're a 99th percentile athlete, how much better is that than being like Otto Porter? Or does it, you know, equivalent, equate, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good question. And one reason why it kind of sucks that we don't have that much film is like, we know at minimum he has the J.R. Smith athleticism, right? Like, I'm on alley-oops, jumping mad high, and like straight line drives jumping high as fuck and like weak side blocks jumping high as fuck. But beyond that, I don't really have a good grasp on like, he doesn't seem like he has blow by speed or amazing lateral agility or, or deceleration or acceleration. So I don't know if I have a full grip on like even his hops in traffic, to be honest with the ball. So it's not to say that he doesn't have that. I just legit don't know right now. So, but I do think, being athletic helps. Um, Joe, one question I was curious uh, your, for your thoughts on is with uh, with Sharp, like, I feel like a lot of Knicks fans are, see the promise, the shooting, and the hops, and they just kind of are in a position where, like, that combined with our trust, like, our front office's track record, where, like, if they pick him, I trust that they have looked into the relevant questions and stuff like that. Whereas with me being like an overthinker, hyper, overanalyzing, I'm like, what if they have it? And what if his athleticism isn't functional enough? And blah, blah, blah. And all these nitpicky type questions. Am I like overthinking it here? In a word, yes. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, uh, if, if he went to Oregon or something like that or some other school, I would I would be a little bit worried. But, you know, he went he spent that year at Kentucky, so... Well, he, he was practicing a year at Kentucky. Oh, he spent time at Kentucky, and he was practicing <laughs> with them. And, uh, and that's true. You know, it's. I mean, do you think that's well, do you think that makes a big trust. difference as opposed to him like working out on his own or you know, I don't know more AAU stuff? Well, I mean, it, it'll it'll make a difference in that uh, they trust they have people that they trust in that organization. Yeah, I'm sure. sure. I'm, I'm talking about in terms of development, but I think absolutely that's a reason why there's reason to believe the Knicks would be more well-informed about him than maybe other teams. Yeah, I think from a practice perspective, it helps too. Like, yeah, you don't, like, you know, he might get more hours of practice in theory if he was just doing his own thing. But they, like, especially those big schools, like, generally speaking, there's pretty good, uh, like, physical development programs and, uh, you know, Kentucky, say what you want about their uh, their actual coaching and performance and stuff like that. But in terms of NBA guys, people team, tend to go there and develop. Um, they come out with new skills or with more refined skills. So, you know, you hope, even though, you know, he didn't have the game reps, that he gets a little sprinkling of that from playing against Ty Ty and Jacob and oscar and all these dudes who are you know i don't know how many of them are going to be in the nba but at least some of them are 
That's true. He played with a Toppin, so Obi has the inside scoop. Um, he's, I'm sure he's telling the front office what his brother learned, uh, you know. So well, trust I, World Wide West, trust Obi. I think CAA is repping uh, Jacob, as you might guess. Or no, no, he declared without um, while retaining his college eligibility. So but you, can, you can get an agent now. You can Even if that. you're going back to college? Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. I, th- I could have sworn I read somewhere that it's CAA, but I may have just assumed that. Anyway, we definitely have the inside track on that shit. So, you know, I find myself ask, like playing out these hypotheticals with Sharp and, and other guys who I have concerns with. And I'm like, if the Knicks front office picks Sharp or Matherin or Davis or whoever, like I have concerns about all these guys, but we're at the point now where rationally or not, whoever us picking somebody makes me feel better by virtue of it's us that pick them. And I don't know if, like, objectively, if that's... What if it's Ty Ty? Would you still feel the same way? I would, but I'd be way more... Uh, it'd be it'd be like my reaction to us taking Obi last year, where I'm like... Yeah, I was... Where I'm like, ah, oh, I hope he exceeds expectations, but this doesn't seem super smart. <laughs> that That's exactly... Like, that's the one pick I wouldn't be jazzed about, necessarily. Because I, I can talk myself into... Sochan, Eason, Daniels, Branham, um, any of the guys who fall. I could talk myself to Duran, even though, as you know, I'm notoriously anti-big in the lottery. But um, it would really be tie-tie. But I'm, I'm going to c- pick it back to that question. What do you think is the bigger need? Is it a three-level score? Or is it one of those switch? Because like, I think I watch the playoffs, and I see both of those players making a huge difference. I see a guy like Jordan Poole taking over a game. I see a guy like Tatum having a lot of success. Um, even a guy like Drew today, he he really played that role for them because of how much Boston keyed in on Milwaukee. But I see three level scores dominate, uh, or sorry, not dominate is the wrong word, but be very important and be difference makers. And I see guys that are versatile and can play multiple roles on offense and defense. By the way, like there's so many of these no name guys who like you just see them hit incredible shots or like even things small things like off a cut. It's a good cut and you're open, but it's a difficult off-balance shot, and they hit them. Like, it's, it's a small thing to notice, but you just see them do that all the time. Um, and those kind of just freakish wings, what is the bigger need? Is it a three-level score, or is it that? It's a good question. Um, it depends on... It depends. I mean, I think both are in need. We still don't have enough rim pressure. We still don't have enough off-ball guys who can do a bunch of things, so... I, I don't think either one is the need is so great that we should overlook the other category, you know? So, um, but it, it would be a BPA at that point, right? Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. Like I, like yeah, the next BPA between needs. those two things and more so than, you know, maybe a center or, you know, a tr- quote unquote true point guard or something like that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, there's a lot of art, like you said, athletic wings, Large, switchy, versatile wings, connectory wings. We did. I, we could use any of them. You brought up a good question though about Tai Tai, and I want to ask the question for both of you. Um, is there anybody else in this range, roughly that you know, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, who aside from Tai Tai, if we took, you'd be like, uh, and have like a little bit of a stomach ache. I'll let Joe go first. I feel like Duran, 
Um, just because of, of what Stacy said about the they I, I don't feel like the need at center is great. I don't I don't feel like um it's it's a big I mean he's good. He's very good. Um I just is he that good where he, we're we're passing up I mean, is he the best player available BPA by that much where we're passing up real areas of need? And I'm sure there are going to be guys, you know, behind him if we pick him at 11 who would fill a better need for the team in not only next year, but in the coming years, unless, you know, some crazy free agent trade stuff happens. So he's the only other guy to me. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, I mean, me and Prez went back and forth last year about Isaiah Jackson. (laughs) Um, Prez, let me ask you this. Would you take Isaiah Jackson over Jalen Duran as a prospect? No. I think there's a case because of the offensive versatility. Yeah, um, I mean, Jackson can – I mean, you know me. Like, I think he can shoot. I just uh, I just think Duran's Duren, – like, Isaiah Jackson is super toolsy and super athletic, and Duran's just, like, even more super toolsy and super athletic. But he doesn't really have weird. the ball skills or the shooting at all. Jackson brought you. I mean, he has. I, I don't think he's destined to be a non-shooter. I don't think his mechanics are as good as Jackson, but like he, he's pretty solid from mid-range. Um, I mean, in terms of recent bigs, which would, would you put him on the level of Okongwu as a prospect? Uh, nah, I would put Okongwu a little bit higher. I think I would too. Uh, I think Duran is probably in a similar mold, where like it's projectable, but because of the coordination, maybe you can see more of an offensive skill set. Um, but I don't think he was as polished on D. Um, I mean, is he on the same level as a Wiseman to you? Oh, he's better than Wiseman to me. I didn't like Wiseman, and I still don't like Wiseman. Um, I think uh, Durin has shown like a lot better passing flashes than either Wiseman or Jackson. Um, he's a lot stronger than either of them. Um, and, and, and those two things really are big for me. Like Isaiah Jackson is awesome, but he's always going to be able to get bullied a little bit, almost like a, like a precious or someone who's like the same things, the athleticism and the speed that make them great are also because they're not as huge. Right. So there's like a give and a take and, um, you know, there's, there's times where you can deploy each of them, but with Durin, you to me, you have the potential for the kind of defender who can't get mismatched off the court in any situation by another center. And that, to me, is if you're not a high offensive output center, then that, to me, is the other, like, golden goose. It's like, oh, I can, you know, I'm sure Embiid is still going to give him 25, but, like, he won't foul him out, right? Or... But he can also stick with Draymond. Maxi Kleber and Draymond, right, or whoever, or fucking Obi. God forbid we ever run him at center, you know, shit like that. <laughs> so um, you, you, I mean, you're saying he can guard Julius Randle and the the spin moves and the quick decision making and pull up shooting. If he puts his mind to it, perhaps yes, there's a <laughs> chance. Uh, well, that sounds a lot like a current player in the league. What do you think of Bam Adebayo as a ceiling comp for Jalen Duran? Yeah, I think they're really similar. Um, uh, he's not like 
I don't know how to project. Like, I like yes, you could look at how good they are at certain defensive things. Like, can they move their feet and jump high going backwards for drop coverage? Can they defend on the perimeter? How do they move side? You can look at that stuff, but like, Bam is just so smart, and he his the my the way Miami uses him is so different from other teams, like him flying around everywhere that. I still think most teams would probably use Dern a little more traditionally, but they're definitely similar. I mean, they're they're both like 6'10", jacked, really athletic, really long arms. So um, Switchable, right? Yeah, switchable, some passing. So I could see it. Um, is there anyone else aside from Ty Ty and Duran for y'all? There's no one. I think Duran, it's not even about him as the player for me. Yeah, it's the situation. It's more, if we draft a Duran, it probably means we're letting Mitch walk, which I just don't think is a good use of resources. Because I don't, unless Mitch gets four for eighty or something, or, like yeah. I, I'd yeah. give him four for like if we have to give him four for sixty, I'd rather do that than use a. And I, I'm, I actually am fine with Sims as a backup big, and we know we can bring Taj back. I'm fine rolling with that. I think they should dump Noel. Um, I just don't think that's a good use of resources because of who they have. Um, and because I'm, I'm pretty high on both Sims and, and and Mitch for his role, I think is like if we get if we can get him for 13 mil, uh, like I think drafting Duran would tell me we didn't get him for 13 mil and he probably walked and that would be kind of disappointing. So, um, what about so Jeremy Sohan, um, our Polish? Is that is that how British... it's pronounced? I I actually feel really bad because I've been. Yeah, it's Sohan. Sohan. Okay, mm-hmm. I will remember that from now on. <laughs> It's okay. He seems like a nice guy. I'm sure he'll forgive you, Stacy. Yeah. He's I, um, I like Sohan. Yeah. Um I I was actually uh probably on Twitter I was going to uh freak people out by uh saying I, I mean I know it would never work because of the shooting, but just I would really be interested in seeing like a couple of minutes of a Sohan OB if OB is sh- really shooting well, if the shooting translates to next year. Sohan Obi big uh, yeah. front court that would be fun because that be guy all about can just, that shit. That guy can do some stuff. I mean, he can't shoot yet. Maybe he, maybe he'll never shoot. But he just the passing, the decision making, uh, the defense—it's all there. I, I think I've told um, Stacy this, but I—I uh, I think he'll shoot in the NBA. Um, he just got a fucked up free throw form. It's really weird, but but his regular form you think is better because his mid range is like he has a really pretty like ten to twelve feet. You know, look like he grew up watching Kobe Bryant type game. You know, yeah, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, his threes to me look mostly fine. Like I don't look at them and I'm like, ah, like so many tweaks you have to make, or this is so busted. He needs to change his footwork completely. Like, nah, it mostly just looks fine. And then when you look at you know how in college basketball they um maybe I'll put a clip of this on Twitter. Uh you know how they um for free throws they'll give you the straight on view like looking directly at them. They'll if you find a f- footage of Sohan where it's straight on his like his arms are like going like both to the side of his head and he's shooting like from the left of his head and it's like what are you, what are, what is happening here? So I I just feel like this is I'm not saying he's going to be fucking quickly from the line, but I, I think they can fix that. And as the in-game jump shot seems like it's just more tweaks than overhaul. Um, 
And he's not like his three point rate was decent. It was thirty eight, which is you know he's not bones out here letting it fly, but uh, it, it's pretty. I forget what his threes for a hundred is. It's not like ten or anything. I think, but um, let's see here. It is six. So yeah, you wish it was higher, but it's not like awful or anything. So yeah, I mean. You, there's no re if you had him and you were creative, like I bet you if he fucking somehow magically ended up on the Raptors, they would put him at the three. They, you know I, mean? I mean, they would put him at the one. They, they, yeah, if you're 6'10, they don't give a fuck. <laughs> you can dribble the ball, they'll put you out there. And, and that's, I mean, what, that's what his coach did. But I, I think that because we're in a range, and I think we we're all agree with this, we'll talk about all of them. But, um, you know, we're in a range where there's just a lot of these 6'10 versatile guys with ball skills. Um, let me ask both of you this. If you were in our position, and let's say Sharp, Matherin, Murray, those it's between Daniels, it's between Daniels, Sohan, Eason, and let's say Malachi Branham, which Joe, I, I know you want you love Branham. Uh, I don't think Prez is quite as high on him as the <laughs> two of us, but Hater, you know, Joe Hater. lets me know every day on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but we can talk about that in a minute. But if I had to ask myself what would Toronto do? deciding between all of these Toronto bait wings, if you will. What do you think they would say? That's a good one, man. Um, all, literally, all of those... Well, you can rule out Ma- Ma- Malachi because he's not tall enough. So only He's only 6'5 with a 6'11 wingspan, so that doesn't yeah. qualify for Masai's. Masai is probably throwing his name off the big board like a fucking batarang, <laughs> just flinging it away. Um, I don't know, man. Uh... I mean, obviously, I'm the I'm super high on Sohan, but I could also see them really liking Dyson um, because they still, I mean, they have Fred, so I guess they end Pascal point Pascal now, so maybe they don't really need like extra ball handling juice and Scotty. So you know, who's the best shooter of that bunch? Dyson, Sohan, and Tari. Um, I think the answer is Tari, but Dyson and Sohan are also younger, so I could also see them saying. You know, Tari's and the best, but does he's have, also the oldest. He has a weird form. Does that play into you? When, like, because I think Dyson, Dyson has a lot of. You had a good tweet about this. I forget, but it was like Dyson has a million small tweaks to make, and then I think it was Wesley you were comparing him to. Maybe mm-hmm. we can talk about him too. Who has like one big tweak to make? Or I don't know. If no, it was, the it, it, was, it was the other way around. So yeah, to me, some prospects like, like you know, I for for Knicks fans listening, it's kind of like RJ, like right, like every, when RJ was drafted, everybody saw his college stats where he didn't shoot good from free throw and he didn't shoot that great from three and everybody knew, okay, RJ Barrett needs to work on his shooting. And there are certain prospects where it's very, where you don't have to be like a loser shot mechanics, armchair guru, like Lonzo, when he came into the league, you're like, all right, he should probably not fucking fling it across his face at that weird angle. But with RJ, if you ask most pe- if you ask most people as a rookie, like what does he need to fix for his shot, you'd get like a hundred different responses because it's no very clear cut, obvious thing. And uh, Sohan and Tari, well, no, I won't say Tari. Sohan probably fits into that category where like his jump shot is mostly fine. You just need it to be a little more consistent. Tari, his jump shot is consistent, but. You watch him and you're like, oh, he releases it kind of weirdly low. Like, everybody can see that weird part of his shot. And then Dyson, um, to me, 
there's a couple of things that stands out, but I could see other people viewing him kind of like RJ and being like, I don't know exactly what it is, but I know he needs to make that shit go in more. So like, you know, I, I, it's a good question. I don't know. Um, uh, but they're like, all, they're all pretty Toronto. Besides Brenham. Yeah. They're all six, eight or taller with long arms and none of them are unathletic. And ball so. skills, right? So. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, Sohan probably has the most ball skills of the bunch. Um, More than because that's that is something I want to talk about because I think you're higher on Eason as an on-ball guy. Mm-hmm. I first of all, I don't see any of them. That's why I'm interested in Brenham because I don't see any of them being like high usage scorers. Mm-hmm. But um, I know you're a little bit higher on Eason's potential. So, like, what is like? How would you break down Sohan versus? him on that and like what would what would make you go to that conclusion if especially if you think Sohan's a better ball handler uh Eason just has really really white hot flashes of like doing stuff with the ball on ball he doesn't do it as consistently um he's more likely to just say all right battering ram time as he is to like you know cross tween Hezzy um and Sohan is a big dude bigger than Eason but he is a little bit more balanced in terms of how often he goes to ball skills versus battering ram. And um, so it's more just the consistency and Tari, you know, you get the white hot flashes of like, wow, what a move in traffic. And then sometimes it's like a questionable decision version of that. And you're like, that's not the move I would have picked just because I wanted to avoid going to my left hand or whatever and shit like that. So, um, Sohan's definitely, I think, more, more like a more consistent ball. And he was also like, like he was allowed to do some of that. Like Tari was mostly attacking. He, he's weird because he was super high usage, but he wasn't really isolating and he wasn't really getting like pick and roll ball handler reps. Everything, everything was just like the ball goes to him and then he does stuff. And they do that a lot. Whereas Sohan... Sometimes he got to play center. Sometimes he got to play point guard. Sometimes he was getting pick and roll reps. Sometimes he was just chilling in the corner. So they had him doing all types of shit. Um, so it makes it kind of tough to evaluate. But um, how do you, Joe? You you mentioned that you're you're a fan of Sohan. Like one worry that I have for him, and please tell me if this is like you've been watching too much draft stuff, Prez. Again, you need to just get your head out of your ass. I feel like he's such a blank slate in terms of good skills that I would be really worried is not the word more nervous just like about what the plan was to develop him because it could you know with Tari and even with Dyson they have different ways they can be good but with Sohan it's truly like a blank slate and you could he could become any like any sort of fucking big wing and I wouldn't be surprised at any particular outcome yeah, I thought it was interesting on, uh, you know, Kevin O'Connor, the the ringer, when they they had comps, you know, like three different comps. And I forget, one was like Ben Simmons and one was like some power forward. And it was just like all over the place kind of comps, which, you know, is, is par for the course. But with this guy, you can really see he, you know, he could do so many different things. And he's so raw in some other ways that uh, and he's so young that you really have to think about coaching and develop player development 
And that's where it gets kind of murky because you have Tibbs. And what is Tibbs going to want? But then what is, you know, but they also have a pretty good history of re- recent history of developing players. So, um, you know, what does the front office want? What is, uh, you know, is he, would he spend, he's one of those guys where even though he's, um, even though he is a lottery pick, if we pick him, I wouldn't mind him spending time at Westchester because they seem like they know what they're doing over there and, you know, let him, let him, you know, go crazy and play all kinds of roles. That that would be fun. I mean, um, Westchester is certainly getting a better rep. I think it helped Deuce for what it's worth. Um, it certainly seems to have helped a guy like Jordan Poole. Um, let's just, let's do it like this. If we take those three and Branham, and if there's anyone you would put in the middle of those, um, let us know. But how would you rank them, assuming the Knicks are at 11? And if you think that uh, some of them are over, like Matherin or someone who I'm assuming, or Murray, feel free to say that. Personally, I think if Matherin or Murray or Sharp or someone like that fell. But I think those are the four guys we're talking about. And if there's a fifth or someone else, let me know. How would you rank them? Um, both That's the both of you. Joe, I'll let you go first. <laughs> I oh god, I, this changes daily, by the way, and I think it does with everybody. Um, I as much as I like to uh, give Prez, you know, you know, just rag on him for his Malachi hate, his Branham hate, which is not real. Uh, just, just it's a, li- it's a little real. I haven't even. I'll get into it, but like, I, I mean, actually. I think- yeah. I actually feel like a hater these days. Like, because the more I like get into him, I'm like, eh, not, not, not super, not like too worried about this. So. Press was into Branham for a week, and then he kept messaging me like, "Whoa, did you hear about this guy Ryan Rollins? He did everything <laughs> Branham did, but way yeah, more Rollins, and way better, but way cooler looking." Basically, yeah. <laughs> he definitely. Uh, what about Johnny Davis? He's, I mean, he's different. That's player. the argument that me and especially Omar. Price, I didn't know that you were on the Omar track of this. I'd probably still lean towards Johnny Davis, but it's one, it's fun to troll Omar about Johnny Davis because it's fun. But also, like, I think that's more of a conversation, Branham. But yeah, like we'll we'll get to that, Prez. I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on him because I think you've been a little bit uh Yeah, I'm really high on Johnny. Uh and, but and Branham, I'd be interested oh, in your oh, thoughts. He's bearish. He's bearish on Branham. I always I confuse would go... bearish and bullish. Which one is which? Bearish is down. Okay. So the Bulls won six titles in the NBA in the 1990s, and the Bears are a really pathetic football franchise. That's not the reason, but it's a good help, like mnemonic <laughs> device. The NBA playoffs means next level basketball. Get in on the first round action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150. in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on NBA hoops with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, each day of the first round, get a risk-free bet up to $10 if your same-game parlay doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility 
eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So we're talking about Sohan, Branham, and Tari, and who else? Dyson. Dyson Daniels. Oh, man. Dyson's the hardest. And then, it, let again, me, let me cut out Dyson. Guy, I think it's going to come down to those four guys. But if there's a fifth guy or someone else, you either think will fall or, um, you know, is below I, them. You know, I, I know that, for example, there's people that like Blake Wesley above, like Branham. So if, if that's how you feel, then I don't, I don't think that's how you feel, but sorry. Uh, certainly not. I think those four is a good way to frame the. Argument. Okay, uh, can I cut out Dyson for because he's hard to pick. I feel like after another week of picking them apart, I would go Sohan, <laughs> Branham, Eason, and Dyson. I I have no idea. I need to like look at him. You know, he's the one with the least amount of uh, footage because of the G League stuff. But he's also a guy, man. I could just see him and quickly, you know harassing you know harassing on defense getting getting rebounds and then just throwing outlet passes to Obi all day and just that would be so fun um you know i could also see sohan doing that because he he's also a great uh i also you know, by the way i think you mentioned sohan and Obi playing together i think sohan he reminds me a lot of not as not overall like he's not the insane vertical athlete but like in the half court offense, he plays a lot of that role in terms his of how he decision making is OBS. Yeah, like, when he gets the, like ball, the processing. They're like the same size too. Yeah, <laughs> like both of them, I think, are like probably seven one, seven two wingspan. And Sohan doesn't finish the same way. Like he, he's not going to yam on dudes like Obi can. But the body control and all of that is, you know, Very he's a good similar. finisher, right? So yeah. yeah. Because Obi that's, has sneaky non-dunk finishing ability, and Sohan, has, so, Sohan is like that. He's actually – Obi's better at the up and under than he is at yamming on dudes. I feel like most times he yams on dudes, he either gets fouled or is unsuccessful. So even though I think he can, it's not a knock on – Basketball not, reference has dunk percentage and layup percentage. I'm going to look it up right now for Obi because I'm curious. I feel like it's because he can jump in the – not only can he jump high, but he can hang in the air for so much longer than other people that he does like – it really like there are there are finishes Obi has that legitimately remind me of Michael Jordan. So guess how many dunks Obi missed this year? Twelve. Fifteen. Sorry, I said it was on mute. He missed nine. He oh, shot ninety-two percent on dunks. Uh, guess what he shot on layups? Do we have, do they have contested dunks? I realize that's the nerdiest question I could possibly ask right now. I'm I'm sure somebody does, but not basketball <laughs> reference. <laughs> um, layups, you said. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know what the baseline for that is. I'm Only honest. I know because nobody else checks out this page, so nobody else has a good reference point for layup percentage. Because I've been looking at this page for players since I was writing about Frank for Joe on PNT <laughs> years ago. Uh, if he's ninety-two, I'm going to go at sixty-nine, just because. Hey, you know, hey. Why not? Layups are really hard. I don't know if anybody shoots 69% of layups, dude. Well, what I'm thinking is like if quickly is at like 60%, and I don't think quickly has a lot of dunks, um, maybe that's a decent baseline. I'll pull up quickly's layup percentage, too. Let's see. <laughs> well, he has to be at 60%. Yeah, that's uh... what he's shooting at the rim, right? He's not, he's not dunking the ball. Well, Unless no, that, that, takes, some that, floaters. that takes out floaters, I think. So then it should be higher than 60%, right? No, because layups are hard. So anyway, the floaters are harder, but go ahead, sorry. So quickly, on 82 layups, shot 57%. And Obi on 150 layups, shot 55%. He, 
Wow, quickly is better at layups than Obi Toppin. You heard it from Prez himself. Future All Star. <laughs> Just ignore the the fact that Obi's fifty five. <laughs> That's actually shocking. I mean, it, it it's not super shocking to me just because uh, he took so many, and you know how like our offense is. So, uh, sorry, yeah. can you do one more layup look? Because yeah. now I have to know. Yeah, let me look up RJ. No, okay, it's probably not high. I was gonna ask about the player who a lot of Knicks fans want Obi to replace. RJ Brando? shot Julius, but yeah. RJ shot forty seven percent. Mm-hmm. On 441 layups, though, <laughs> which is like the most ins. Like, reminder, Obi had 150, quickly had 80, RJ had 440. He's taking six layups a game. <laughs> He's literally taking more layups than like the rest of the team together. I don't give a fuck what his percentage is. Sorry, who'd you want me to look up? Randall. The guy Obi's trying to replace, man. Julius oh, Yeah. His shit is probably like in the forties. Let me see. <laughs> Especially when you look at rage. how he blocked. You like rage looking it up. You, he you got more it. more like roller layups, so that that might help. Let's see. Uh... I do think his his touch and like his ability to finish through contact is pretty. I just I can't even remember. Fifty fifty four percent on three hundred and thirty layups. Um, what? I wonder what it was last year. I mean, he's still six foot nine and large. <laughs> like, yeah, he's really strong. He has, he has good touch. But here, but here, but here, but here. Uh, wait, what did I say? What was the percentage I said? Fifty four. Last year, fifty two. Oh, you know, it's not that surprising. Uh, everything that was wrong with him was his jump shot. So mm-hmm, exactly, yeah. and that makes sense because he's got, like I said, he got more of those um roll man easy buckets this year than he did last year. Like he got way more shots at the rim. Than he did proportionally uh, during his good year, so yeah. that particular thing is not uh, not super surprising. Um, so yeah, there you go. Layups, quickly yeah, decent we... at them. Hopefully, he takes more. Sounds good for another team. Well, I mean, I think uh, actually this is a tangent. Maybe we'll get to it later. But I would be curious how much you think quickly is helped by not playing with Randall in terms of getting to the rim because it definitely felt felt like after the All Star break he got to the rim a lot. And then the games where they were like not playing Randall, it mm. seemed like he was getting there like almost Garland level. Like I think he was getting there like 20 foot, like for that one 10, 20 game stretch, I think it was like 25% of his shots at the rim or something. Like he got there almost like you would say that was the best part of his game. Yeah. I mean, he was definitely getting there a lot more. Um, so it's, I, I don't know. I didn't really notice much of a difference with Rand because both, like defenses weren't respecting Obi or Randall, so but Randall kind of, is gonna play in the paint, whereas Obi's gonna move more, right? So yeah, but guys would just like still ignore Obi, right? Which is how he ends up getting some of those dunks. Do you think but, they were ignoring? Because like it's kind of like this happened today, right? Not if he's cutting, but like it, it happened today, and I'm not equating any of the Knicks pull up players to one Steph Curry, but uh, I. I am of the opinion that Kevin Looney should see very minimal minutes. I think they should prioritize Kuminga in this in this series, especially because of the Grizzlies' athleticism. But there was a play where Looney just got the ball at three point line and they packed the paint. They're like, "We're not, <laughs> we don't need to come guard Kevin Looney there." And then Steph came around, DHO open three, right? And I think that possibility exists a lot with Obi. So I don't think you can oh, yeah. really ignore him in the same way. 
I think in theory, you're 100% right. If our coach was like creative at offense, then he could totally do that stuff with not just Obi, but Mitch. But I think um, Obi does do that, right? Like he, he, he does it he on does. his own because he's he always does. moving. He definitely does more of it than anybody else. Like he's willing to like, okay, I'm open. I'm going to like on the three-point line, I'm going to run here. But there's also plays where his job is just like, for now, just stay on the cor- stay in the corner. Right. So it's kind of balancing his chances to move, which the time where he has to actually stay put for spacing purposes. And the- I think the, the tying that back to our original, you know, we went on like a few tangents there, <laughs> definitely fun. But tying that back to the original stream of thought, it's like that's what it comes down to me with Sohan is while the shot is still a work in progress, and I do think it's a two or three year progress, I could see him developing a Jeremy Grant type game in time. Um, I don't let me know if you think that's a bad comp. Um, maybe not quite the outlier. Like Jeremy Grant is a really great athlete. I don't know. I mean, I could see it because Jeremy, like he's a great, he gets a lot of like one-on-one buckets, but he's also not efficient. So I, I'm pretty sure if Sohan ever gets to the point where he can make moves one-on-one, then finishing will be a lot easier. Cause he's just, he's not the athlete that, um, Grant is, but he's much bigger. And I think and, he has, like, if you look at him in the mid-range, like, he is a, he has that mentality. I think he can get there. But my question is more around, if you are a non-shooter or a non, or if you're a guy that good defenses at least are going to be like, yeah, take the three, <laughs> you know? Um, how much can you make up for that with movement? Because I think at this point, like, Darko, for what it's worth, Darko projects Obi as a 36% three-point shooter. Randall is a 33% three-point shooter. I'm still not willing to buy that Obi's a better shooter than Randall. Although I think the gap is pretty damn close. But how much, if you're, you know, if you're not really a threat from three in that way, how much can you make up for it with off-ball movement and those kind of things? So I think that is very pertinent to how you project Sohan and probably to a lesser extent Dyson. Um, I don't and then- think you can make up for it. I think you can, you can start to, like, better to be a shitty shooter who moves than it is to be a shitty shooter who does it like Randall. Right. But I don't think there's a substitute for. So you think um, at some point, Sohan is always going to be someone you have to mitigate in terms of spacing. Cause if you play him with Mitchell Robinson. No, not if, not up. if he shoot, not if he shoots, but that's, if that's, that is the, if, and I don't think that happens year one. Uh, oh. I, uh, I think like Scotty's and it's, you go back to the Raptors, right? They took Scotty and precious who are neither one was projected to be a shooter, and they've both been unless like, you're Prez. You you were not projecting Scotty as a shooter. I was projecting Precious to be a shooter, and I was projecting Scotty to be solid catch and shoot. Which weirdly, he was like not good at catch and shoot, but he was decent off the dribble this year. So I don't even know what the fuck is going on with Scotty. But um, but I mean, yeah, like that—that's to me what it comes down to. It's Sohan, and especially when I compare him to Eason, because Eason has the percentages and. I don't like the release with Eason, uh, and like especially if I'm projecting like, and I I do want to talk about Eason more because I think that one thing where I like you're kind of in on or maybe like you buy a little bit more than me is like the potential for Eason to be an on ball guy, a guy who can score at three levels, which I'm not sold on, and part of it is the low release. Yeah, I mean with with Eason, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who can take a lot of mid-range shots because of the low release. But because he's larger and draws a ton of fouls, I think he'll be fine. Um, 
I think he'll be somebody who can uh, shoot threes, including maybe a little bit off the dribble, but definitely off the catch. Um, And I just think he's going to be a monster in terms of getting to the rim and drawing fouls. Like his handles, like we're talking about him and Sohan and both of their handles being like flashes and work in progress. Um, I think Sohan had 30% of his shots at the rim and 60% of him, 60% of those shots assisted and Eason had like 56% of his shots at the rim and like 40% of them assisted or something like but that. But how much so, of that was transition? Because Eason got a lot of steals and breakaways, right? Yeah, that's true. I'd have to look at, um, I don't even know where I could get that data, but I like because he's just so comfortable being the battering ram with the ball and being like, I can, once I get within like two steps of the hoop, I'm probably stronger and probably can draw a foul and I can jump as well. And I have long arms. Like he's comfortable forcing the issue, which is, you know, that's the, we have a battering ram like that. Right. Then Randall. And I think we all kind of want to move away from that. So that would be kind of, no, being a battering or like, being a battering ram in terms of driving is fine. Like there's no such thing as too many of them, as long as they could do other stuff as well. That's the problem <laughs> with Randall. He, that's all he could fucking do right now. Um, so with, but with then e- with Eason, that kind of comes back to the processing, right? So sorry, I'm interrupting you, but I yeah, got a lot of questions for you on this because if he is a battering ram style guy who isn't going to always blow by, although it looks like he can a lot, especially slower bigs, how much does, if that's his style, you're going to naturally draw doubles. You're going to naturally be kind of played more physically. How much does the processing? Because I think that's the big. Well, he's subject. already played physically. That's the thing. I think as his handle tightens up, like simple processing stuff will become really easy for him. And he'll have more space in the NBA than he even did at LSU. So those drives will also become easier for him. And like, he doesn't even have, like, basically I look at things like him not having a left and him, having processing issues with no spacing. And I view those things as context that gets better in the NBA. Other people view those as reasons why those things might not happen in the NBA. And that's definitely fair. Just the way I see it, I'm like, he's never going to have spacing as bad as he did at LSU. You know, he's didn't even have a point guard at LSU. And he was like, they were just like, here, Tari, save us on offense half the time. Um, and he managed to make it work despite that. So I think when other guys are actually drawing attention away, he's going to be a fucking handful. Like RJ passes to him, quickly passes to him, Brunson passes to him, whatever, and he attacks like RIP. Like it's, you don't need in that situation to be, you know, like Steve Nash processing. You need that processing if you're going to be, like running a bunch of pick and rolls or isolating. But as far as like true, like not non-true primary creation, I think he's going to be super duper good at that. And I don't think any of the other guys we're talking about are really going to be. Even Sohan. Well, Sohan's processing will be cool. Like, like Joe was saying, where like, it's like Obi where. Yeah. He might see he might be able to hit some cool touch pass while he's cutting and you know do shit like that um which is awesome and that's so what i saw great. manipulation that was what was really interesting and he's super young yeah he's legit man he's he could do a lot I, I i actually one thing i was worried about with him was like 
he got used in so many different roles. I'm like, I would want him to shoot more. But then I looked at it and he, like Franz had 17 shots per 100 possessions in Michigan both years, like 17.4 and then 17.7. And so on only was like 16 point something. So it wasn't even like, like he wasn't shooting all the time, like Tari or something, but you know, he, he if they tell him I like, mean, hey, Franz, be aggressive. Franz, Franz played also on a team with a clear cut number one option in the post. Yeah. And I mean, well, he, Sohan, Franz Sohan. on offense was probably at best the third option. And as a shooter, probably like the fourth option. But, yeah, I mean that's what happened with Baylor with the guards, right? The upperclassmen. They were like, it was their team, and Sohan was the best player. That's how the dynamic was, and uh, as often happens with with prospects who are big in college and playing with upperclassmen guards. So uh, I do have like a little bit of apprehension about Sohan there, but I think that's really unfounded. Like he has the. It's almost like Scotty, where just because he didn't shoot as much in college doesn't mean he's destined to not shoot a ton. But that is something I'm always worried about because to me it's easier to tell a player who shoots a lot to shoot less than it is to tell a player who doesn't shoot a lot to shoot more. Um, so uh, what was the original question? I don't even remember how we got on this shit. Uh, I think the original question was rank. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry for stepping in. Rank, uh, Sohan, Eason, Matherin, and Dyson. I didn't even get a chance to do Dyson because I just, it's so hard. But Dyson's you said, hard. I think you said, uh, I, it wasn't Matherin. I think Matherin, are we agreed Matherin clears them? Or that's a, another good question. But I mean, I have like Tari above him, but Matherin's really good. So I think Matherin is like, for me, Tari clears all the other guys you've said. But <laughs> aside from Tari, like. Uh, but I, I think you had Tari. I had over Matherin. Say it again. That's a new thing. So you have Sohan over Matherin, but you have Tari last in that group, I think. Yes. Right, Joe? Yes, I do. And then you have Branham between... You have Sohan above uh, Branham, I think. Which I'm actually oh. surprised about because I know you love Branham. I know. Uh, I think Prez is starting to rub off on me in a bad way. Uh, I do I do worry about... Tall, some... man. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about Branham a little bit. So, Joe, what is... I know... Me and you, I think, for similar reasons, have gravitated towards them. Um, but um, I'm going to give the floor to you. Like, what do you? What is it about Branham that that's really caught your eye? When did you fall in love? Yeah, when? <laughs> when when would you? When did you first. know he was when the one? I, um, <clears throat> I worry that I'm worried. I'm worried that I looked at the stats a little bit too much because the stats love him. The stats are crazy. Yeah. Uh, just that guy just hits shots and. It's just a lot of, but the even watching the film is just so much, uh, so much great off ball movement. Uh, even when he's not running pick and roll, which he also does very well, um, he's just always moving, and that's something that the Knicks always lack. Um, it seems like um, even going back like ten years, even when they were a good offense, you know, with Melo, they didn't they didn't move a whole lot. I think they move well when one player. This is. I feel such a hater saying this. <laughs> Everyone on the team, including Burks and Fournier, like Burks, I think likes to play with move motion. I don't think he's this ISO. Fournier guy. definitely does. Yeah, but like you know, when Randall's on the floor, that's what it devolves to. But yes. tension. But so I just I love the movement. Uh, I I just love the 
if the three point shot is legit, which his his form is also a little weird to me, and I'm not a shot guy, but it looks a little low. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, but if the three point shot is legit, he just I mean, everywhere on the court when he gets to his spot, he's not an explosive athlete or anything like that. But when he gets to his spot, he can he can just he can get his shot off, and it's it's just a bucket. I just uh, Watching that and looking at the stats, it just seems like this. And also, he's younger than a lot of the other guys. Not Sohan, but a lot of the other guys. So it just seems like, man, if you're a freshman and you're that good. Yeah, for, for context, he's 18 days older than Shaden Sharp. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's just... If you're a freshman and you're that good, I know Prez, he you know points out that he had more talent because he had EJ Liddell. Um than a lot of the other guys, but it just, uh, I, yeah, I just, I'm a fan, but you do have to look at, one thing that worries me more as I look at him is the fact that he's not an explosive athlete and the Knicks have, the Knicks need more athletic, like high end, super duper athleticism, you know, which they have, they have OB and Sims and like no one yeah. in the backcourt. But I mean, you know, that. from like the guard. No one below down. like 6'9". Yeah, yeah, Reddish. <laughs> Reddish is, Prez is quick to point out. I think people people think Reddish is, Reddish is athletic because of his size and kind of quickness and flexibility combo. It's a different type of athleticism. But he's not a guy who's going to yam on dudes. Oh, yeah. I got, uh, I told Prez the other day, I was like, you don't want to, if you're oh, going to yeah. talk about Cam Reddish, <laughs> You don't want to anger certain segments of the Cam Reddish stand community. But he, fan. he's not going to East Bay. I mean, is it fair to say <laughs> Tari Eason is the only East Bay candidate of the guys we talked don't, about? Don't say that to certain people on, <laughs> on Twitter because... And uh, it doesn't matter, by the way. I, I was the other... Because it was the other day I was like, man, you know, the Knicks really need like some explosive athleticism from the guard position or the wing position. And some guy just sent me a... a uh, no, you said they Cam Reddish that, dunks, and he's like, "What's wrong with you?" What well, you, I think you said like he creating in the half court or scoring at three levels or something. Uh, I think I don't remember exactly what it was, but someone just sent me it a, was, a, it a, was like, Jinx because he, he loves to troll it. I mean, the Cam Hive. I've gotten flack for saying Grimes. If, if they're gonna go against the vets, Grimes should get the first bump over Cam, and I've gotten flack for that. Um, yeah, and that's that's obviously true. I mean, Grimes is better, but like more reliable. Like he's an elite. Like Cam isn't a bad shooter. Grimes is just. I mean, I think Grimes' upside is a, a version of Joe Harris with great defense. So that's just me. But um, but kind of you know going back to Branham, I think what really impressed me, in addition to everything you mentioned, what there's two things. One, he's a he's a guy who like is like a bucket type. Like you look at his profile, you look at how he's gotten a lot of his scores. Like mid range guy can get to the rim, uh, comfortable in the pull ups. You know, kind of that long ability to get a shot off even against contests. And you think like, oh, this is an ISO guy, but then you're right. He makes quick decisions. He's he's a very underrated passer. He didn't rack up a ton of assists, but. Um, you know, he makes very quick decisions. He's a, he's a really great entry passer kind of randomly. I don't know how much that is going to apply on the Knicks, but he has those skills. He can play both in motion as well as like, you know, if you need to get a bucket, he has that skill. I think Middleton's a great comp for him. He's a little bit smaller. And I mean, again, with a guy like Middleton who relies so much on his length, 
even that little bit being smaller can be a thing. So I, I don't want to understate that. But the other thing that really impresses me is um, he's 6'5", 185. He's not a big guy. And as you said, he's he's still 18. He's not even he hasn't turned 19 yet. And yet you see him like just dudes bounce off him when he goes to the rim. Like he's got really good core he's strength. Just, he's think. a strong 185. Yeah, like, 185 all muscle. on pretty easily, I think, within a year or two. And especially with the way, I mean, even a guy like Quickly, Quickly, I mean, I think this is probably something that hasn't been talked about, but Quickly really improved his strength year one to year oh, yeah. two. Oh, yeah. Um, like that's part of what enabled him to get to the rim more, especially late in the season. And so at Branham, like at two, if Branham gets a 210, or 205, like, I think that's a guy that can play some bully ball. And I think that's a three-level score that the Knicks don't have. And um, and I, I don't think he's a bad athlete. He's not, a, he's not, you're, he's not Shaden Sharp. He's not Benedict Matherin, but he's a pretty good athlete. Like, he can, he can get high up to finish, especially with his length. I look at him and I see a three-level scorer who, especially if he plays with the Knicks, I think the Knicks are good at even Cam, I think, looked better on defense on the Knicks. Like, off-ball, he needs some work. But I don't think that's Branham's problem, first of all. I think Branham, like, especially on a team with more of a defensive identity, Ohio State didn't really have that identity. They were more of a, a small-ball team that looked to force turnovers and get out and push. Um, I think he could he could be a, a plus defender, too. A three-level scorer that's a plus defender that can probably guard one to three at least. Um. And he's bigger than Grimes, you know. I, I, I'm bought in. I think that gives the Knicks an element they don't have, similar to what they would get from Johnny Davis, even if you don't think he's that high. But, Prez, I know you're a little bit, I think, more um, sanguine on uh, on Branham. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you the, the floor to make the more pessimist case. Yeah, I just don't uh, – just watching them more, I, I think no player in the lottery benefited more from his team than – Random did um not just by having Liddell but like he he doesn't isolate and he doesn't create space he gets to the rim through using screens very well and like you said knowing how to bump guys and stuff like that but it's not can't really you blowing. say that about Johnny Davis too though you definitely can but Johnny Davis had way more defensive attention and Johnny Davis burst is much better to me I think Johnny Davis like he definitely doesn't create separation like Jalen Green or something, but I feel like his athleticism has gone, like the pendulum has swung too far around. Like there's plays where Johnny Davis looks like he shot out of a rocket, and like you want to talk about like Brandon gaining twenty pounds, like that's where Davis is at. Like he fucking like not just one guy, but it's like running into multiple guys and still like. Mamba mentality, bitch. I'm, I'm going up or whatever and taking contact and stuff like that. So um, I, I think his athleticism is going to play a lot more. If he had, if he had like the screening and the off ball ceiling and shit like that, that Ohio state had, I think his percentages would have been way, way higher. And then random, like he's a, you know, his percentages are amazing and they're amazing because he's a great shot maker. But like, if you just watch, like his shots, he gets like a lot of corner threes that are just wide open and he knocks them down because he's a good shooter. But like he, he he just benefited a lot from getting like a ball screen and then another screen on his drive or getting a kick out while he's in the corner 
And, you know, he moves off ball really well, which also helps. So, like, he could be in the corner and then lift to, like, the wing and shoot from there. So he's really good at helping himself in that respect. Like, once he has those opportunities, he doesn't miss them, which is why I think he'll be a... And I think uh, that's how Grimes thrived a lot, right? I oh, mean, yeah. The Knicks, I don't want to say the Knicks offense because that's very much... Uh, <laughs> that is... The, the Knicks having an offense is very much... But it was one of the bright spots of the offense. It was Grimes Especially when the young guys played together, right? Like, yeah, quickly exactly. And, Obi and all of them together. So, so, so Brandon, like, he, he's really good at that. But in terms of... Like, he's good with... He's really good with a screen, but he's not really good at pull-up three-point shooting right now. He part of it is the low release, like you said, Joe, and part of, it's it's really weird. Like his shot looks fucking like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen from mid-range and off the catch, and then from uh from three pulling up, it's just kind of a little weird. Um, I I think he can fix that. Um, hopefully. But I mean, I, so kind of. I think this is an important point because mm-hmm. when you talk about Davis, who is a good mid-range shooter, hasn't translated a three yet. It applies to Ty Ty for that matter, right? Um, and it applies to one of the Knicks. I think in Deuce McBride, who is a very good mid-range shooter, who is trying to up his volume from three. Um, you know, how can you think of a lot of examples of players who have not been able to make that transition? Like I think Rip Hamilton was the extreme example of a guy who was mid-range all his career. Well, it's hard It's hard because... At one point, are... he started to take threes, I think, right when the three-point revolution started to happen and Rip Hamilton became a good three-point shooter, but... High-volume three-point shooting is relatively new, so it, it, there's not much... Uh... But translating from, like, a really pretty mid-range game... Like, I think Ingram has made that leap, for example, right? Yeah, Ingram has made that leap, absolutely. But, like, we don't have a lot of guys who come into the league with beautiful mid-range shots who aren't also, who don't also have beautiful three-point shots these days, is more what I'm saying. Like, Derrick Rose was like that back in the day, right? Like, when he pulled up from midi, you knew that, like, prime D. Rose, like, you knew that thing was cash, but he jumped really high and he just hung there in the air and splashed the midi, but from three... It wasn't until he got to the Knicks the second time that, that that you could trust that shit. And he changed some of his mechanics to become a better three-point shooter. So, like, you can definitely do it. Um, and my point, my point isn't really, like, about whether he's going to be able to pull up shoot threes a ton or not. I just don't think, even if he can take some pull-up threes, I don't know if he'll ever be, like, a, like a big-time shot creator for himself in, w- without a lot of help from screens and that's not like a like a bad outcome like Fournier is like that right like we've seen it like he's not like in Orlando he was the number one perimeter shot creator and you know they were able to sort of get by because Vooch was also good at offense but like really if you're asking him to create a shot it's going to be a mid-range shot using a screen or a very hard three-pointer like a step back or a sidestep three-pointer or something like that at the end of the shot clock and that's fine. Like you could still be a really efficient, even twenty point per game scorer without doing that. I just think that's the upside with Branham, not like a true three, like some you know what, like when you say the words three level score, like what comes up in people's mind, right? Like someone like Anthony Edwards or Kevin Porter Jr. or uh, I don't know, like whoever. Pick your guy. Um, well, I mean, but- I, I, Middleton is, I think the effective thing because Middleton no one looks at as a superstar because if you say a three-level score yeah, they're fucking stupid that's why 
Maybe, I mean, if you think he should be considered a superstar, but I've like, been on the pro Middleton bandwagon for so long. He can, but he's not a top he, ten player to you, is he? No, he's not a top ten player. But like, he came into the league good at isolation scoring. Like, you look at like his draft express profile, and it's like Chris Middleton is a great isolation scorer. Like, literally, it says that. So from Mike Smith's back in the day. So like, he was taller. And he was already doing isolation scoring when he came into the league at a high level. But he and, was all, he also came in the league, you know, 21, 22? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I just think, be, like, having the height and the high release. And you think and, that that, I think it's like a two-inch, three-inch difference overall yeah, yeah. in notwithstanding reach. You think that is a big tipping point with Brenham? Well, it's the combination of, of handle, tipping point, I mean, <laughs> tipping point, handle, uh, like the release point, um, just the comfort doing that stuff from different areas of the court without help, without a screen. Because Branham's thing that he's super awesome at with the screen, his footwork on mid-range shots is pristine. He knows how to like get the screen and just launch into it and hop into it and stuff like that. But it becomes a lot more complicated when you're going one-on-one. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe he'll end up being good at that, but like without help, without screens, I I don't know if I see that in the cards for him. Um, and if you say, all right, like that's might not be in the cards for Tari either. That's definitely fair. But my follow-up question would be, okay, like assuming someone needs a little bit of help to create like somebody else to drive and kick or a screen, who's going to get the easier shots, right? It's hard to make a living like even Fournier, like it works because he can do it from three at crazy high volume. So like crazy high volume. So it has to, it's tough. It's tough to be a mid range heavy player. If you're not the fucking man on a team, like who's, who's a mid range player. Who's not like one of the top two main bucket getters on a team. Top two makes this complicated. Cause I was like, immediately going to go to Middleton. But that's what I'm saying. Most of the guys who take a lot of mid-range shots are but the guys I, who quote unquote like deserve it because they're beastly <laughs> beastly <laughs> scorers in isolation. But I mean I think I think the fact that the difference between Middleton and who I still think is their number one option, Giannis, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. is that big that I think that that's a worthwhile comp, right? In terms of what his role can be. So I think Middleton to me it illustrates like this almost and again, I, t- at the risk of maybe saying something that triggers you and other people, almost this closer by committee thing, where you have someone who can get you a bucket in the mid range if that's what the defense is giving you. Yeah, that's what but the you Bucks also do. have your true number. Like that's not Giannis's game, really. That's like, I mean, he had, I mean, he had a dirk fade away today. Like, I mean, Giannis- this year, this year, it has very frighteningly for the rest of the league sort of become part of his game. But like, yeah, you're right. Now they have, they have. They could go battering ram. They could go Chris Iso. They could go Giannis mid-range. So, and so is that right. almost because you do have that a little bit. You have a guy who can get to the – he's not Giannis, and he never will be. But Barrett can get to the rim almost at will. Um, certainly isn't the finish that Giannis is. Um, they, it works up. for the Bucks because they do it at such a high level, and they do it with such shooting surrounding them. One of the things I but think we have, forget we have shooting, right? We have Grimes we, quickly. We have – Obi, I think, is capable from the corner. So that's what I'm saying. We might have the shooting, but we right now we have the shooting from the small guard spots, and that's it, right? Like, the, look at the Bucks; They have it up and down the roster and around. And we might get there. Don't get me wrong. But my point is, like, 
for like I, I when I'm talking about this stuff, I'm looking at what it takes to get a really fucking good offense, not just like the 18th ranked offense. And if you're looking at the good offenses, they're like nobody is taking mid range shots like that. Like if you look at every two teams, like everybody who's taking mid range shots is a phenomenal like all around scorer. Yeah, it's like Booker Paul. or CJ or Brunson, right? Like literally, look at all these guys. Chris Paul, like. Pick another playoff team, like uh, like on the on the Nuggets. I mean, do the Nets count as a like playoff Murray. team? Because I think Durant took a lot of mid range shots, but they he's don't also, count. They don't. They, they don't get count. no wins. They don't count. You don't count if you get fucking swept out of here unceremoniously. Um, uh, real quick, move. move I do. I do want to talk about a couple of other guys before we take us home. Um, oh, my dog's trying to get in here, but our doggy gate is closed. We're recording, Misty. Be a professional. Um. So she got that dog t- in her. She knows about it. She knows. Tibbs, Tibbs would be a fan. Um, there's, I won't spoil it. My rankings, I feel like, are going to get upended quite a bit. Um, there's guys who are, every year there's guys, because I'm lazy and I don't get to all the guys when everybody else does, players rise on my board out of sheer procrastination, which is what happened with Grimes and Deuce for me last year. And, like, I already know I'm going to be really. So that's high why on. the Knicks draft. Are you saying that you influenced the Knicks to draft both? Of them? I'm not, not saying that, <laughs> but I'm not saying that. Um, are there any? Are there any guys? This is the question I have for the two of you, and and Joe, you can go first since uh, Schwinn was busy. I mean Schwinn. Wow, Loki racist. That's that's pretty racist. <laughs> <laughs> my bad, my bad, my bad. Um, Stacy was uh, conducting his cross examination of uh, my favorite players. Um, are there any players who either we have talked about or haven't talked about who are in the outer bounds of like, man, like say we get shit luck and we end up picking 12th or 13th or something like that, where you're like, that's kind of a reach and I'm kind of scared I'm going to talk myself into it. Is that, Does anybody fit into that category of the guys y'all have thought about or heard about? And if not, that's totally okay too. You could just say like, I actually like, like you know, with Sohan, Mal- Malachi, like, I love all of them, and I'll take any of them. But is there anybody who you're like, man, like, it could be a guy we haven't talked about, like, fucking Hardy, or Liddell, or McGowan's, or somebody Yo, else entirely. Jang, right, like, whoever. Um, is anybody... Like who? Like for me? Like when we drafted Obi, I was like, ah, I'll talk myself into it, but like, I don't know. That's a good. Um, so if you haven't got to him, like I, ha- I definitely haven't got to anybody. But um, in terms of like guys who would be considered a reach, it's hard to say because this. I mean, if you go board to board, it seems like the big guys, like I mean, the big draft guru guys, their mm. boards are more uniform. But if you go to like the smaller draft experts. They're more kind of all over the place. I mean, you saw you 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 showed me one the other yesterday on Twitter, and it was like, oh my god, uh, this is this this board is way different than what I would have expected. Oh yeah, that one mock draft. Yeah, that was crazy. That was wild. In a six. (laughs) Yep. Um. So I feel like in the big guys' boards, like it seems like Tari Mm. is the guy who's like. Maybe seventeenth or yeah, you know, all the time. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I and uh, 
Like, but again, I because I follow you so much, I <laughs> I've skewed it. Yeah, you've you've messed you've messed around. You've you've, you've messed with my uh, outlook on it. I don't like, think they drafted him. I, do I don't th- think they will. Yeah, I don't think they will either. I think. Yeah. I think. I don't think he's the kind of player this front office likes, and he's definitely not the kind of player Tibbs likes. Yeah, um, I, oh, I, I pray to God every day that they're not <laughs> spending that much time thinking talking about, to Tibbs. Yeah, yeah. What Tibbs? What do you want? Because oh man, I just no. there's definitely enough there with with Tari to give pause where I can see why some a lot of the mainstream boards mock him lower and just ignore or diminish the statistical output and stuff like and it's that. The age compared to the other guys, like. Totally. So on, we haven't talked about Dyson that much. I actually really would like because I'm kind of not. Yeah, sure let's talk about that. Dyson. Let's let's close out. Yeah, let's him, go with I Dyson. Have some interesting. I love, I've been. I wor- I'm, so, I'm just. I'm with you, Joe. I've been worried about Dyson lately. Yeah. But Joe, I, did you have a guy that you wanted to mention? Oh, I don't. That's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say the the guy that we always talk about is Tari, but I don't see anyone. Yeah. And now that Ty Ty is slipping down everyone's draft boards, it seems like, and people finally got it out of their minds that he needs to go to the Knicks. For whatever reason, maybe we Knicks fans harass them too much. And I do think he's going to be underdrafted. Like my thing yeah. with Ty Ty is less he's a bad player and more just very redundant with what the Knicks already have and not yeah, as yeah he's, he's not really manual quickly and yeah. that's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. Lots of guys are not he's, manual. Quickly. He's going to be a fucking like, like I think Ty is just disgusting shooter right now. Like from day one, I'm telling you. Yeah, it's just um, you know we have that. It's I mean if we passed on Bones for. I think a lot of people wanted us to pass on Bones last year. This year, we're in, we're in a different place. But, uh, yeah, maybe Dyson is because, um, yeah, Press, I'll give it to you. I think you're the most familiar with him. But, um, well, I need help on that. That's why I'm – so, like, this is here. here's what I've been thinking about today about Dyson. And you guys tell me if, again, it's like, Prez, you've thought about this for too long. It's not that complicated. He's six foot eight and could do a lot of things and young. Um, so, to me – there's two pathways for Dyson to really hoop in the NBA. One is as a point guard, which he did for the Ignite, and which he's done for the Australian team. So basically what he's done for most of his life, um, be a point guard. And for that to work, one of two things has to happen. He probably needs to shoot better, just off the catch, off pull-ups. And he probably needs to turn some of his floaters which he's extremely extremely good at like quickly and like quickly he over relies on it um he needs to do what quickly did and turn some of those to layups and like we saw with quickly i it that's a tough thing for anybody to do that quickly done it is like a franchise altering development right so yes i don't know if i'd like i have no it's it's done so rarely that i don't know i don't know how likely that is but he it's also weird because he's huge right this is not asking a, a guard to do it this is asking a six foot eight person to do it so does that change the calculus so that's the one path and the questions that come with it and the other path is the like caruso josh hart lonzo ball thing uh where you want him to be a connectory off guard who could run pick and roll and hit floaters and hit spot ups and attack closeouts and play defense and i think he'll be able to do most of those things but if you really think about it like if our pick at 11 turned out to be a Caruso type or a heart type, like, is that good or not? And the reason I ask is because to, to ascend you to said that, who are a Caruso type, like Josh Hart, um, 
Okay, I, that's not. There is a bull I had in mind as a comp for Dyson, but it's not Caruso. Lonzo. Ao. A- a- yeah, yeah. So whatever. Like Ao is another good version. I think of Lonzo that, but... is who I would say. Right? But this, but... this is my big. This is where I'm going with it. So, so hang with me here. So, like to to elevate beyond the 3D plus into like 3D plus, who is also worth like 20 million, 19, 18 million to connect to be a connector. You have to be a fucking high volume shooter from three to make up for the lack of volume on the interior. And even in my most optimistic projections for Dyson, I don't think he's going to be a high volume three point shooter. So I'm like, okay, if, if we're talking, if that rules out Alonzo like outcome and we're left talking about Caruso and Hart type outcomes on the connector side of things. And on the point guard side of things, we're depending on him making the development that quickly made as a driver. Like, are those two developments asking him to turn floaters to layups or become a ridiculously high volume three point shooter? Like, isn't that kind of dicey? Is that a pun? Dicey. Oh my God. I didn't even realize I did that. Bars. Bars for you listeners. There you go. Anyway, uh, that's my latest worry with Dyson. I'm like, is he not going to be good enough at the archetypes that he's projected to be to really be worth it? Or am I overestimating what I should look I for think for the, the 11th pick? <laughs> the, I mean, the big difference and how much of a difference does this make? And I'll ask you this, Joe, is, I mean, if you disagree on the Prez's analysis, but the big difference between the guys you mentioned and him is that he's 6'8". Yeah. So, and Josh Hart is six four on a good day. Yeah. On his tippy toes, <laughs> uh, Caruso is listed at six five. Um, I think Dyson had, does have that. I don't know if he has Caruso's motor because that is like a ninety ninth percentile thing. But it's he's up there though. He's got a really good motor. Totally. Um, and I think he has more potential to do that. Um, like a six eight Josh Hart sounds a little bit better, right? I mean, Joe, what do you think? Yeah, I was gonna say if do we are we we're all sure on the numbers because I just heard some like see I saw some tweets just like yeah he's growing he's six eight now I don't I, I'm sure like when the combo numbers come out if 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 we're talking about someone with that kind of size who yeah. is a great defender I mean it depends on you know that's a multi position you know you could guard I'm sure three one through three you know at least it depends on how much strength he needs to you know, put on, you know, much muscle, but that is just, I mean, that's, first of all, let me just say, I love Emmanuel quickly because he did the thing that Prez is talking about. He kind of broke his over-reliance on the floater game, which as he said, was very hard to do. And um, that's one of the things I think the Knicks have been good at drafting in recent years is guys who are very willing and very smart about working on their weaknesses. It's true. Very true. Literally and every single guy. <laughs> basically every single guy. Like, you tell them work on this, and they do it, and they really get results. Um, That's a great point. And you really have to – you're going to have to talk to these kids and talk to whoever's around them, and you got to figure out who's the guy. You know, Sohan and Dyson, they look they look so active playing defense and everything like that, but are they going to make the adjustments 
when they get, you know, in the off season this summer, next summer, whatever, are they going to make those adjustments? Uh, that's one of the things I, I hear about Shaden Sharp is that he, you know, he has really improved in many different facets of his game, even from high school on, you know, you know how it is with these kids nowadays. They're like basically, you know, semi-pro even when they're like 16 years old. So, um, that there that's something it's just almost intangible kind of thing that we can't answer the Knicks are going to have to answer and I do trust them to do that so that's not a great answer to your question but um if they think he can do it with he has the physical tools definitely to but he if definitely he does if he doesn't but he's 6'8 heart caruso he's still awesome yeah which and is how- the, that's the sale. That's to me, that's the, the sales pitch is like, I true like we say a lot of guys are high floor, but I, I think he truly is high floor because he's never going to be a fucking bum. Cause he's six, eight with a really good floater and great passer and great defender. <laughs> really great defender from, from what I've heard. And I think, like- and, but he's a great defender at six, eight, which gives him both the switchability mm-hmm. that even a guy like Caruso or Hart doesn't have. But the events generation, right? Yeah, like oh, we're, man, about to, Caruso, we're about though, to he see was... it. We're about to see it with Phoenix, where it's like you could be a good guard defender and still get burned by Jalen Brunson. The real way to make Jalen Brunson's life hard is to get somebody bigger than Jalen Brunson, who's also a good defender on him, right? Like we, we even see it with the Knicks with Grimes and IQ. Like you saw it today with Peyton Pritchard. He's a terrific on-ball defender, but they haunt him in the playoffs. Right. That's a good point. I didn't watch the Celtics. I'm happy. Uh, <laughs> happy they lost, though. But um, yeah. So what do you? Uh, so so are you of of a similar mind to Joe Stacy in terms of Dyson and Prez is just like overthinking things. And I I really like the fact that he has a high floor, and I'm gonna put my faith there. I I think his ceiling is tougher to envision, but uh, like there's an outcome where he becomes something like Dante Exum, right? Um, like in Spain right now, cooking Dante Exum, <laughs> or like washed out of the NBA Dante Exum. Like, what are in Spain? Are we, cooking, are we glass well, half full here? Or? First of all, washed out of the NBA, if I recall correctly, was due to injury, right? I mean, he got that second contract with Utah. Like, he established himself as a pretty solid, you know, switchable guy and a secondary ball handler, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's a weird guy because he. Uh... If it weren't for the injuries, I mean, uh, the Jazz fans I follow always loved oh, they him. they loved him. Yeah, and so, he, I mean, he got penny comps out of college. Uh, sorry, out of um, when he got into the draft, right? That's I remember Penny was mentioned a lot as a comp for him, um, which just struck a chord with me because Penny was probably the first player when I was like, I, I still have the jersey I had of Penny Hardaway from when I was six years old. It functions as like a little nice like a crop top for me now. But, um, you know, it, it's um, – I think that upside is there. There's just so much that has to happen for it. But barring that, he gives you that connector wing. Um, and then you look at guys like – but that's the thing, right? You look at a guy like Lonzo or Tyrese Halliburton, they're both high-volume three-point shooters. A guy who – like, he's probably closer to, to slow-mo. Maybe that's another comp, Kyle Anderson. Uh, in that vein, who adds as a plus, but – you know, I, I don't know. I mean, like, if, if Kyle Anderson is his outcome, and do you think that's a potential outcome for him? 
Well, that's the thing. Kyle is good. More but athletic. Like, I, but I'm looking for more. Like to be frank, I I think I'm just looking. For, you don't want for, you want him to be frank. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I want him to be frank. Future, uh, future European player, probably won a playoff series. That's right. That's uh, right. Didn't um, play in it, but you know. Hey, every every winning every is, team member counts. All right. Yeah. Shout out to uh, what's his face? Theo Vincent. Yeah, Theo. <laughs> shout out Theo. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I, I think I'm looking for, and I think this has helped me articulate it. I, I recognize his floor and that his path to, to most high outcomes requires some tough things. And I think I'm looking for more straightforward and attainable upside and perhaps disregarding high floor a little bit more with Dyson. And it's not to say his upside doesn't exist because, for example, if he turns floaters into layups and becomes a decent three-point shooter, then all of a sudden you have a 6'8 point guard. Well, I mean, right. is this right. pass- which is, which well, is that, crazy. LaMelo is the name that comes to mind, but is this passing that good? Because I don't no. think it, that's, no. that's part of it, too. It's like no, he's, it's not solid, a, it's not he's not a savant, right, as a passer. No, but he's good. He's just not fucking... Lamelo, right? Like Lamelo, exactly. Shout out, um, basically. If you want to, if you want, uh, I'm I'm gonna humble brag for Prez here. But one of the best pre-draft pieces I've seen on any on any prospect was posting and toasting Prez marathon two-parter on Lamelo Ball. Go back and that, look that up. That was my posting and toasting farewell gift to Joe. Like no yeah. bullshit. I was like, here you go, two-parter, like five thousand clips in each one. And then I'll take my talents to South Beach or whatever. Um, South but, Strickland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. More like uh, taking my talents to like a small market team or something. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I think that's what it is with me. Like I, I, I realize that because we have so many good but not amazing guys and then a couple of guys who are close to amazing and quickly and RJ and Obi um, – I I think they should just fucking go for it. So to me, on my Knicks specific board, I think I'm gonna have Dyson a little bit lower and Branham a little bit lower because personally I don't see the path to the upside being as straightforward for them. But I could totally see why other people are like, yo, you tripping. They're extremely, extremely good at certain very important things and you should be fucking hyped, not just mildly satisfied if we get players like that um uh, here's my final question for y'all wait wait, they... wait wait wait. I'm sorry but yeah who would be your number one of that list of the the, the sohan Eason. uh oh i'm uh, super high on Eason. there yeah there you go yeah no Eason is like <laughs> he i'm i'm irresponsibly high on Eason. okay like this is subject to change, but I, I personally I have I have Johnny Davis, Sharp, and Eason in a tier, and then I have AJ Matherin, Keegan, and Duran below that okay. in a tier. I was gonna ask you because I asked you to win this today, and I, <laughs> I think, think I'm gonna move Keegan back up though because I really do like Keegan a lot. I was gonna ask you if you would think Sharp might be even over Ivy a better fit for the Knicks in this draft. No. And I, I did ask Schwinn this today, and I think we were both like, yeah, it's 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 a conversation, but it's a conversation was... just because the size, like you mentioned, is like a that's just a game changer. Um, and he's younger, 
But I like to me above all else, like we mentioned the passing and the athleticism, but like the rim pressure, right? That's always the number one thing that the Knicks haven't had for like twenty years, for the most part, except for like a blip of Marbury and a blip of Raymond Fountain. So that Ivy provides in spades, and that sets him apart from uh, from Sharp to me. Even if it, it like if they took Sharp over easy over Ivy, it wouldn't be crazy. It would just mean they trust all the other stuff that much more. But I think they would take Ivy just because. What would Mark Berman say if they did that? Oh, God. He'd That's probably find some know. stupid spin like, <laughs> nepotism, Coach pa- Calipari, more like Coach Palipari, palling around with Tibbs. Or, I don't know. Some horrible yeah. headline. Um, um, yeah. No, question? Yeah. Go ahead. I was sorry. just wondering. Yeah. So your final question? What the fuck was my final question? Um, God. <coughs> I know I threw him off track. Damn. I was talking about Tari being super high on Tari. Oh, yes. I remember now. So last question. You know, talking with y'all, I've kind of articulated and refined the principle I'm viewing this draft through for the Knicks, right? Which is responsible upside swing. That's the best way I can put it. And that's a little more dangerous of a game to play than just BPA necessarily. So um, is, is there any, for you two, is, has there been so far any singular kind of sentence or lens that you can say, like, this summarizes how I'm approaching this as a Knicks fan, like what I'm looking for that that is responsible for explaining why I'm high on some guys and lower on some guys or anything like that. I feel like for me, it's really, I'm really looking for some like explosive athletic types. Um, nice. Probably why I go, you know, and length, crazy length, looking, mm-hmm. you know, that's why. Though they do, they're good at length. They have long armed guys who are not <laughs> as yeah. tall. So they're, they're good with the length. And that's why I like, I don't, I think of Emmanuel quickly as like a better defender than a lot of people. And, you know, that's why he's also such a good rebounder is because totally he has that combination of long arms and also like the willingness to take mm-hmm. on bigger guys. Um, but, you know, that being said, I would really like that's why I think that's the big thing with Shane Sharp is that mm-hmm. makes people that drives Knicks fans wild is just six, six crazy wingspan. Like, can you imagine can jump out of the OB gym. man on the break? Yep. That should be crazy. Yep, and that's another thing why Dyson, I can see it with Dyson and uh, maybe Sohan to a... I like Sohan better, but Sohan to a lesser extent, just what he would unlock in, in Obi along with Quickly. Just more passing, better just you know, better movement, better passing, more fun basketball. That's a great way which to Which we got <laughs> glimpses of this season, and which made it even more frustrating because 75% of the, 80% of the time they were like, no, we're not playing that. We're not doing that. So, uh, again, trade Randall. Throw that Joe's looking for, you heard it, Joe's looking for length, athleticism, and fun basketball. If you yes. can't provide that shit, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> trade sorry, Randall. Sorry, children in the background. Hopefully yeah. you got headphones on. Um, oh, uh, my headphones are on. Don't worry. The baby cannot okay. hear us. So, except sorry, Misty, by the way. Dogs, dogs hear it, too. 
Yeah, Misty, Misty is a fan of upside swings as well. So we're on the same page. Um, what is your, where are you at, Stacey? How, how are you approaching it? Or yeah, are you I mean, still figuring it out? <laughs> I translate fun to quick decision making. Okay. That's what makes the fun go around. Um, and, um, and I think it's contagious, by the way. Uh, I think you watch the Warriors, right? They have had guys come to the team with maybe not maybe not reputed to be the highest field guys. Um, Wiggins, I think, is the archetype example. He makes much better decisions now than he used to. Um, I think Poole has... I think Poole was a decent decision maker in college, but because he played mostly off ball with a couple of non-shooters, it was a little bit more stagnant. But he's really kind of come into his own there and i think that draymond and steph kind of make all of that work right because they're such ball sharers and quick decision makers yeah length athleticism like the thing is like we don't have a lot of guys who they get off the bus so maybe that's not the best thing but like just the wow athletes right we have obi that's probably it and then sims but he's a big so especially at the wings those versatile guys who can jump out of the gym but also um, kind of play the way I think, and I think that's what the Knicks front office has targeted. They've, in, you know, in terms of guards, they have a type. They like outsized wingspans because I think that's a little bit of a market inefficiency when you look at a guy who's listed at six one, six two, but has that six ten wingspan um, with pull up shooting and like good feel. Like they say, like even if he's not a true point guard, like we can work on the other stuff. But if he has those tools, that's a good base. You look at bigs. I think they look for length and athleticism. And they haven't. They haven't really targeted wings. They, I mean, Cam is really the only young win they, wing they've gotten. I mean, you yeah, they mostly Grimes. use free agency. Grimes is probably really a two guard. Fournier. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so I think this is the first draft we're probably going to see them target a wing in some form, um, unless they can get Ivy, because um, I, I would consider Sharp a wing. And in that, among those wings, you're looking for just generally like not ball stopping, still upside athleticism. Yeah, that sounds about it. But I mean, where it comes down to is like we have two. Like my one sentence is: we need three level scoring, and we need true wing versatility. Not uh, not to say RJ isn't versatile, but. That you know the kind of guys you see on uh, on not Atlanta, um, Toronto, or Milwaukee, or, or really all, or even a team like Boston, right? Do you have Tatum, real quick Brown? one one quick clarifying question? When you say three level scoring, people know that means mid range rim and three. Do you mean like finishing at the rim, or do you mean like getting to the rim and finishing? Like what do you what do you actually mean there? Closer to the first one. I think if you get to the rim, unless you're... um, Like, Alec Berg shot 40% of the rim this year. So there are outlier events. But if you get to the rim, and, like, I I don't see RJ's finishing of the rim as that big of a problem. Yeah, I hear you. But it's more about getting to it than for you? Is that what you said? Yeah, because, like, most layup attempts are going to be good. Like, obviously, if you're Obi Toppin and you're finishing at an extremely high level, um, that's different. But... You know, if that's a fifty-five percent shot that you can get a lot, then yeah, mm-hmm. like I, I like that. Um, also, if you have if you have Mitch cleaning it up, that helps. Yeah, and the, yeah, there's RJ the whole Kobe helps. assist aspect to that, right? Yep. So, yeah. Um, but I think those, but they don't have guys that can do that. I think 
with or without a screen is less important to me than I think, but I think it probably is. I'm probably undervaluing that. I think like if you can get there with a screen, I think that that's fine for me because the reality is we always run shit with screens. Most teams do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's why I like Branham that much. And then the other, so like, yeah, it's like we need we need three level scoring and we need versatile wings. And the closest the person that fits both of those things to me is Branham in our range. If we're higher up, then it's probably Sharp, uh, which is why I'm starting to think question Sharp versus Ivy, and maybe if that's a realistic thing. But uh, those are that's the sentence that makes me anything else, um, unless it's a big with like crazy offensive upside, like a DeAndre in. I'm not interested in that, and unless it's a a guard who is like freakishly good at getting to the rim, I'm not really interested in that either. I think that's kind of the the basis of how I'm viewing up the draft all right you heard him uh take your notes um thank you guys for joining us for this marathon episode i had a lot of fun um do y'all want to tell the listeners where they can find you i'll go first it's i'm not a strickland guy um of course go to the strickland if you want but also go to posting and toasting posting and toasting damn it <laughs> yeah forget you guys go to posting and toasting.com um, we have our own Knicks content and draft content and uh, other things. So, uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing you there. You heard him. Stacey, where can the people find you and your random propaganda? Uh, you can find me at uh, StaceyPatton89 on Twitter. You can find me hosting the episodes that Prez isn't hosting on Pod Strickland, and um, if you cannot get enough of me, uh, I also host a podcast with Matthew Miranda, um, a much more talented writer and scholar of Knicks history than me. Uh, Joe's <laughs> been on that pod. Uh, we do the Believe Knicks podcast, do Believe Sports, um, and uh, yeah, we have a couple of those coming out every week too. So, All right, episode 30 of Draft Strickland in the books. This podcast has been around for a while, but... I always get annoyed when I go on the back end of the Strickland and it's like, wow, Draft Strickland, episode 944 or whatever, because we just put out so many. Um, but it's okay. Slow and steady works for draft season. Um, you know, we're, we're pumping them out. We got a lot more good content, profiles and deep dives and Twitter threads and podcasts and all that stuff. So keep staying with us until uh, we can all be sad together with the ping pong balls not going our way and we'll figure out what to do after that. And on that note, Thank you, everybody, for joining us, and have a good evening. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.